Greetings, it is the Fair of the Opera here, and our first episode will be about Cleopatra VII, who is perhaps known as the most famous ruler of Egypt, and in my opinion, one of the best. But our story starts with another very famous ruler, Alexander the Great, who comes from Macedon, and he ruled a very large empire, including Egypt. And when he got to Egypt and conquered it, it was at a place of turmoil and it hadn't been ruled by an Egyptian for about 300 years by that point. There was lots of civil unrest. The lower and upper Egypt were divided. The Egyptian culture was getting lost. And prior, during the Persian rule of Egypt, mummies were even getting burnt and it was becoming a lost practice. Mummification, that is. So he restored peace rather than conquered, and he took the name as pharaoh and took the dressing as a pharaoh, and he was even mummified. When he died in Babylon, he came, his brother and half-brother and successor, General Ptolemy, brought his body to Egypt when he died in Babylon and had it mummified. In 323 BC, the with the death of Alexander, his empire was split and given to four individuals. His empire of Egypt was given to Ptolemy. He would be the first of many Ptolemies that would take, and Cleopatra was one of many Cleopatras. About 300 years later, near, near about in 69 BC, Cleopatra was born to Oletti's Ptolemy. She was the second oldest had one older sister and one younger sister and two younger brothers, both also called Ptolemy. Her mother was thought to be an Egyptian woman due to how close Cleopatra was to the Egyptian language and culture and she was the first one and only one in her dynasty to learn the language and know the ways. So it was thought she had, she was raised by someone to teach her this at a very young age, something that none of her other siblings had. But her mother and most of her ancestry, particularly the females, are unknown to her great-grandparents, great-grandmother, should I say, and so on, are not as recorded as the fathers. So it's unsure how much Egyptian she had and how much of there was Macedonian. But she also had Persian, Persian roots as well, from very early on when the first Ptolemy married a Persian woman. But Cleopatra, she would be her father's favourite and constantly by his side, and even though she had an older sister, she was not likely to be declared the heir. And Cleopatra's one of her titles was, as a young child, was Cleopatra of Thea, which meant father-loving goddess. And the relationship between Egypt and Rome at this point was very volatile. And from Ptolemy the Eleventh even left Egypt to the Rome in the will. So it was inevitable that Egypt would eventually belong to Rome. But what Cleopatra did was bought much more time than she was 
ever expected to. She would be put into exile twice, once when she was a princess and her father was also thrown in exile from by her older sister. And this is when they first met with Romans to get their help. And when she first met Antony at 14, after Berenike was defeated and taken to Rome, her father was restored onto the throne of Egypt. And upon his death, he declared Cleopatra and her brother, Ptolemy, the rulers after him, for which they would have to be married. Which wasn't a very uncommon thing of anything in the um, Ptolemy dynasty. It was very, very common to marry brother and sister, just not so much to bear heirs with them. Though that wasn't unheard of either. When she and her first brother were ruling Egypt together. Everything was done in her name. Coins were minted with her face on it. Documents and taxes were signed with her name. And at this point, Egypt was going through a drought, which caused a lot of famine. As the Nile usually would flood each year, and which was essential for the agriculture as most of it was surrounded by the Nile, and each time it flood, flood, it would flourish the crops surrounding it. But for four years this didn't happen, but in the first year, this was her first year ruling, it was seen as the mark of the gods, as the pharaoh would ha- was thought to have the powers of the gods, and Cleopatra embodied the goddess Isis even as soon as she got onto the throne. And Isis was thought to be the one most connected with the Nile, as Osiris, her husband, was broken into parts and thrown in there. And she would retrieve the body of him and mummify him. So it was a very sacred, sacred thing for the Nile. And for it to flood just shows good rulership. She she would soon be, sorry, be thrown into exile again. This time in Syria or India. But this time she would raise her own army to try and restore herself onto the throne. But Rome was already paying a bit more attention to Egypt, especially after an ambassador was beheaded by Ptolemy. Though he was an enemy of Caesar, he still thought that 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 was a bit much. So he was on his way to Egypt, and Cleopatra caught wind of this, and knew that she had to meet and have an alliance with these people. Now, the myth of her meeting Caesar is that she was rolled up in a carpet and rolled out in front of him. Which doesn't seem likely, considering how much dignity that she had and how important it was to get an impression, a good impression that she is a powerful, worthy ruler of Egypt who probably wouldn't be manhandled in that way, especially in front of one of the most powerful, feared people in the world at the time. Instead, to sneak into her own land and her own palace. She and one general, or soldier, 
would would take a boat silently moving through the harbour of the palace and slipping into Caesar's chambers. Now, the idea of, of carpet instead perhaps was a shore or a or imitation, which was um, Greek, which was a Greek piece of clothing or material that was used almost used as a bedsheet, but that could be wrapped around the body and veiling the face. Which there are little statues of Alexandrian women wearing this similar style, including the veiling over the face. Now, what Caesar thought upon seeing her, how attracted he was to her physically, I guess we won't know because of the debate of her beauty is something that is, I think, has been made to be too important. There's more discussion about what does she look like? Was she, did she look like a coins or was it propaganda, which is most likely, or was she beautiful, was she ugly or whatever? And the answer to that is is that it doesn't matter. She was an exceptional woman in many, many ways. And one of the most intelligent, versatile people, especially during that time. She was very interested in astrology and would use Alexander's journals. She was really inspired by him and took on as much of his physicalities in her statues as possible. She was also an accomplished academic writer and wrote many books on maths, sciences, philosophy, um, history and astronomy and medicine. And she would sign her work as Theoceta, which meant scribe of the gods, which was inspired by Thoth, who was the scribe of the gods, well, the scribe god. She knew 11 languages and historians have, ancient historians, said that her voice and how she spoke was very, very charming. She had a great charm about her. And one even described her voice as being delicious and how it would appeal to whoever she's talking to and make you feel as if you were the centre of her attention. And she could adapt herself to anybody. Now, very soon, perhaps the morning after meeting Cleopatra, he made, Caesar made the decision that, okay, he was going to take his army and he was going to restore her on the throne and remove her brother. So they had a war in Egypt, which left the Library of Alexandria being burned down, which devastated her and her brother drowning in his own golden armour into the Nile. And she would be crowned as Pharaoh, full title being Female Horrors, the Great One, Mistress of Perfection, Brilliant in Council, Lady of the Two Lands, Cleopatra the Goddess who loves her father, the image of her father, and Alexander. She would take Caesar on the tour of Egypt, and she would also oversee the installation of the sacred bull, which was, and she was the first fairy to ever do that. And she did this without Caesar. And it, which was perhaps the most sacred ceremony that was dedicated to Isis and Osiris and many of the gods. She would also spend a lot of time in Rome, 
and she fell pregnant and gave birth to a boy called Caesarian, which meant Little Caesar. But other name would be Ptolemy, well, Ptolemy, should I say. Caesar also built her a garden in Rome that was dedicated to her as Venus and had a very large golden statue of her. A younger sister would also be taken and murdered by Cleopatra. She would be stabbed on the steps of a temple. And her older sister was paraded through the streets. Though she was married to her second brother, he did mysteriously end up getting poisoned, and I know we have no idea who did that. Um, though Cleopatra was very intrigued by poison, and she was fascinated by it. But this doesn't mean she had anything to do with it. It's just rumoured that she perhaps wanted to um, co-rule Egypt with her son instead, which does seem likely. The relationship between her and Caesar would be very, very academic. It'd be, that's what they would talk about most of the time. And when she would gift him things, it would be on an academic nature. As, you know, she gifted him the idea of the 365-day calendar, which she timed with the Nile and the flooding, which in the very, for four years, it's even with her on the throne, it still wouldn't flood. But thankfully, because she had this alliance with Rome, she would be able to bring food into Egypt, take it all to the capital and distribute it. And there's even a signed document from her which you about taxes and and the situation of the flooding. And what can be made out is her last it's her signing it, it will be so or let it be done. And she, Caesar, and Octavian would go to battle together. Though Octavian, he couldn't make it. He was, you know, he was very sick, so it was just her and Caesar. And he would say about her bravery, Octavian would. And he even made the mantle of his ship of her. And he would go on about how, how great she was. Octavian was the adopted son of Caesar, who would later be known as Augustus. She would spend a few years in Rome until the death of Caesar. She was she was there on that evening. And when she heard, she ran to Caesar's body and did the traditional mourning such as wailing ripping the hair out and beating the breast and smearing the blood she was very grieved by this to the point where she even was believed to have miscarried her, what would be her second child with caesar caesar did have plans to marry cleopatra and he was working to make this law so so that he can publicly acknowledge Caesarian without him being declared as a bastard. But the, unfortunately, law in Rome meant that they, he could not marry a foreigner. So she returned to Egypt. And after a, a couple of years, 
There were slight tensions and she still knew that she was gra only holding on to Egypt very, very tightly and it was hanging on by a thread. So she would eventually, she would join forces with Octavian and Antony to avenge Caesar and she would market it of her being Isis and her avenging her Osiris and her son being Horus. And when she met Antony, they met in Greece, and she sailed to him on a golden boat dressed as Aphrodite, as Antony was obsessed with anything Greek, and he loved Alexander, he loved, and he also really liked short kilns. Because apparently he had a pair of cracking thighs that he loved to show to everybody. Her and Antony soon became an item very soon and she would fall pregnant but their relationship was more fun and definitely more passionate they would have bets with each other and play pranks on alexandrians and he wouldn't shy away from showing pub public devotion to her he was very much enamoured. They both were. There was even a story that they had a bet, and that he bet, that, no, she bet, that they, she could throw the most expensive dinner party that he's ever been to. So what she did was take a pearl and put it into her wine, and it dissolved, and then she drank it. Thus proving that this was the most expensive dinner that he's ever had and because he lost this bet he went to her and he kissed her feet and bowed to her and they all had a laugh unfortunately Octavian was growing worried about Antony and Cleopatra as they made they did not make it unknown that they were rooting for Rome and they had plans for Rome and for her son, mainly, to take, in a way, what's rightfully his. Though her attentions were mainly on for Egypt, she, would, she lived and breathed Egypt. She had interest on, of her son ruling Egypt more so than Rome. But Octavian was very insecure because he was not the natural, he was not a born son of Caesar, he shed no blood of Caesar. Well, not as his son anyway. So Caesarian would technically have more of a claim, just even though being a foreigner, and that was the only thing that he had that kept him on there. Though it was shared, Rome was divided in between Octavian and Antony, it was feared that Antony would take over all of it. And there was a bit of divide and civil war between Rome. So Octavian would sent an alternatum, alternatum to Antony and sent him to marry his sister Octavia. And in exchange, he will leave Egypt and Cleopatra alone to live and rule peacefully. So he did, leaving Cleopatra heavily pregnant with what will become their twins. She gave birth to the twins, which were called Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Selene, named after 
two great people, and the sun and moon goddess. And with her instructions and medicine that she made and instructed for her delivery and birth, most of her children were came very safely and very healthy. She had many remedies for many things, including she even made um, Caesar something to cure his boldness using horse teeth. She would make cosmetics and many other medicines, and we all know she loves her poison. Antony would soon return after four years, and at first she denied to see him until he presented her the libraries of Babylon and land that he conquered that she could add to her her empire and that Caesarian could rule. So she soon... I guess forgave him as she knew that regardless Octavian was not going to be true to his word and she needed a bigger army. She wanted her son to succeed her in a more swift way than what she had to succeed. A much smoother transaction of power. Antony would then declare Cleopatra Queen of Kings and declare Caesarian the heir to Egypt and Rome. And he would co Caesarian would co rule Egypt with Cleopatra. And there's a temple of Dendra where Cleopatra is as Isis and Caesarian is as Horus. Her and Antony would soon have another child called Ptolemy. This would be the point where Roman propaganda would start and most of the things that we know about her through Hollywood and Shakespeare have been taken from this Roman propaganda which has been taken as history and as fact. Which this would include a lot of comparisons to of Cleopatra to Octavia and suggest, saying how Octavia was much younger, much more beautiful and how Antony could leave Octavia for for her. So they suggested that she must have seduced Antony with magic and demasculated him. And she did the same with Caesar. So she was a very dangerous woman and she must be stopped and defeated. You know, hide your husbands and all that. There would be stories how she how men would die literally to spend a night with her. And how she was drunk and she was a whore and all these stories that we hear that are being written about and portraying her as when she was anything but who she loved both Caesar and Antony very much until their deaths. Yet she is defined for having two lovers that she was devoted to, she wanted to marry and they wanted to marry her and Antony did her and Antony to get married. But yet Antony and Caesar, who I'm sure had many more conquests than she did, are never defined by how many lovers they have. They're defined by being great, being powerful. Caesar especially. But it just shows how sexism, especially, you know, sexism in Rome, how that translates to today's society and how we 
how women are historically, how they're seen, how impactful it is. Same with figures like Anne Boleyn, who again was a was similar to Cleopatra in a way in terms of how intelligent she was, both emotionally and intellectually. But she is seen today as many as this person who seduced and said Henry the Ape so and toppled the whole system. And Cleopatra was seen as the same. She seduced Caesar and Antony, and then even rumours from Octavian that she tried to seduce him to topple Rome. It was not long that these tensions would eventually turn into war. And then we have the Battle of Actium in 31 BC, which this would be between Cleopatra would being raising her naval fleet with Antony would battle Octavian, who was absent in this battle, like most other battles. Because their ships were much larger, and his was much more narrow, due to the weather he had a very good advantage, Octavian. And the first load of ships were destroyed. Now, Cleopatra and Antony, they were thought to have made an agreement if they were caught, captured, or if they lost this battle, they would both commit suicide to avoid the intentions that Octavian would have them. She was adamant that she was not going to be a triumph or shown in a triumph or die as any less as how she lived. She lived as a goddess. She lived as Isis. She was going to die as such if she had to. But before this, she needed to ensure that her children were safe. So before the battle commenced, Caesarian was sent to India or Ethiopia. And her three younger children were also sent away into hiding. On the off chance that she was defeated. Now, this battle didn't go very well for them, and she soon retreated, and Antony would hold them back a bit so that she could retreat safely on shore, and then he would follow her. Now, she dressed the fleet up and the ships up in flags, decoratively, so they looked like that they had won, and she would not breathe a word that they lost. Egypt had no idea that they lost the battle. When she got to her palace, she started to make bargains with August, with Octavian. And she would say, she would ask that to let her go into exile without, she, not even with riches, just go into exile far away into perhaps maybe India or Palestine, who she had very good relationships with. But so long as her son could inherit Egypt, nothing else, just Egypt, and do it peacefully. He declined this as he wanted her brung to Rome. She would continue pleading to not be sent to Rome. And he said, fine, he agreed that she can go to exile she knew that Octavian was not going to stay true to his word. 
Now, just a little disclaimer. We, I should have disclaimed this at the beginning, but we will be talking about suicide. So if this is something that triggers you, um, then stop here. <laughs> and please do seek a helpline or seek friends. Sport odd. Just give a little warning. So she would plan, they would go along with their plan, her and Anthony, of committing suicide. She got news out and word out to Octavian that she has died. So Anthony, hearing this news, though it was his intention to do so anyway, stabbed himself with his dagger. When Cleopatra heard this, she insisted that Anthony was brung to her into their tomb so that they can both die together. When Anthony was first brung to the palace, he still had no idea that Cleopatra was alive and he he would say how brave she was and before he put the dagger to him, he would say how cowardly what he was that he did not do it first since she had so much bravery of a million men to do this when he was second-guessing or scared himself, which is natural. So he was brought to the tomb, and he was alive, so they shared a few last moments together before she took the same dagger and went to stab herself. But before this happened, Roman soldiers came in and seized her and put her under house arrest in her palace. In these weeks, she would refuse to eat anything, she was mourning so much for Antony, for Egypt, her children. And was also, she continued to write letters and continued to beg to not be taken to Rome. As she wanted to avoid what they had planned, which was be the triumph parade, which would have her naked and chained, walk through the streets of Rome tortured, raped, and killed by publicly by Roman soldiers and Octavian. The death of Cleopatra is very well-known, very famous, and very fictionalised. There's stories that she had um, an asp brung into, into a bag of, um, a basket of figs and brung to her. There was thoughts that it could have been a cobra. Um, however, the cobra, the poison of that, an, an Egyptian cobra, it would have caused her to, it would have been very, very painful, and it caused her to violently vomit. Which she wanted the most discreet, peaceful death, almost sleep-like death. She dismissed all of her staff, apart from two, who refused to leave her, leave her side, which would be her dresser, shaman. And her hairdresser, Arias. She would have one last dinner and feast. She would be bathed and don her finest golden out outfit of Isis. And have her hair up in the melon style that she usually had. With poison laced pearl pins that were in her hair. She sent more notes to Octavian that she was going to do it, teasing him in a way. So at this point, he was probably already on his way. So she would be the first who took 
one pin or two, there was two pricks in her arm. And then she would fall into a sleep. Areas would soon follow. The last was Sharman. Before she died, a Roman soldier came in at the point where Cleopatra and the hairdresser was already dead and said to her, What is well done of your lady, Sharman? And she responded defiantly with her final breath, Extremely well done, as befitting the descendant of so many kings. And then she too fell and died. This was on the 10th or the 12th of August, 30 BC. Octavian would find her very, very soon. He came and he got a snake charmer to try and take the poison out because he wanted her alive for his triumph. It was, and if not, he was going to take her dead body. Though he was convinced by his, his Roman, his generals and advisors that this would not be good if he wanted to take over Egypt due to when they heard about the death of Cleopatra that all of Egypt were rioting and said that this would be too much that he could not handle if he did something like this. Instead, he took a painting. He had the scene of this painted and he took a statue of her and paraded it through Rome instead. He would also parade her children. Alexander and Cleopatra Selene, and her youngest, Ptolemy. Caesarian he had assassinated the day after her death, after he lured back to Alexandria, which he was probably betrayed by the people who were meant to keep him safe. And yeah, he too was assassinated. When her children were paraded, they were in heavy trains, and Alexander, um, Helios, was dressed as the sun and Cleopatra Selene dressed as the moon to mock them and their status and show them as the mortals that they are. This was not received well in Rome. There was a lot of sympathy and belief that, okay, he may have went too far. So he had a lot of damage control. At first, he did not want Cleopatra to have a burial at all, of any sort. But he was convinced to let her be buried with Antony. Whether he buried her with her riches was unknown, because she did send letters to him that she was going to burn all of her gold, all of her wealth with her in it, so that he couldn't couldn't get his hands on it. He would say that he would only take a cup, but Egypt, but Rome was far richer the day after that she died. So it is likely he gave her a very humble burial, which was not befitting who she was. But let's hope that she had, at least she was with Antony. And hopefully her son joined her. She left specific instructions of how she wanted to be mummified, as it was an embalmed, as it was becoming a lost practice as most of the Ptolemies and most of her dynasty were cremated. So she had to put this into practice. And her, her instructions of mummification was still used after her death for the mummies in the Roman period. 
Octavian would then become Augustus, naming himself after the month that she's died, and would become the first emperor of, of the Roman Empire, which he could not do until she died, as she was that much of a threat. Though he always insisted that his battle was, was Antony, there was no parade of an Antony statue. Cleopatra was his victory and his prize. And he would be Emperor of Rome for a, a decent amount of time. And he died. His death is, is kind of ironic, especially with the fictional idea of her death being, or, you know, it could have been true. The asp in the figs. He died eating a poisoned fig, which I, I thought was quite amusing. And though the legacy of Cleopatra is much greater, as she is the most famous, most talked about, the most imitated person who is who has lived, she was worshipped three hundred years after her death in Palestine um, and Israel, countries miles away from her. And Egypt still mourned their queen. And though they were, they, Egypt became very separated from Rome from that point on and separated from the outside world and became very secluded due to it being almost forbidden to travel to Egypt. Augustus would use the place for his to get resources and money. And though Egypt was prominent in the medieval times, it was still not until Napoleon that it, Egypt became known to the world for its history and its greatness. The dynamic between Augustus and Cleopatra is a very interesting one, as on his part it started off as admiration but then just turn into hate because she was so threatening towards him and his position. And to Rome, she almost had it. Though he was not considered a pharaoh of Egypt, she was the last pharaoh. Augustus would show no interest in the culture or in Egypt at all. Um, he even saw the mummified body of um, Alexander and one of the Ptolemies, the one that, uh, I think Ptolemy the first. And he would say, I wanted to see kings and not corpses. So he would never be accepted by the Egyptians, but he didn't need to be. He had it. He just needed, he had their money. He had their food. He had their agriculture. And the real victor in this was Cleopatra. Her son did not inherit Egypt, but she avoided a fate that she needed to. The sad thing about it is that she is not known for her, how incredible she is. Roman propaganda was the real winner, because it still has an effect. But she was remarkable in the way that she was not even meant to have Egypt for a year. It was meant to belong to Rome. She managed to hold on to Egypt, using her wit, her charm, her intelligence, her knowledge of war. And she managed to hold on to it for 21 years, which if you took any pharaoh 
throughout or any and put them in the position and the time that she was in with how much her dynasty messed things up I don't think they would have lasted half as long as what she did although now to some she's a Halloween costume but to many she's an icon of feminism and empowerment and what we know about medicine the dates and the calendar you can thank her for your 365 days you can thank her for your leap year though romans take credit for it it really was her and still to this day she remains the queen of kinks now that's my first episode sorry if i sounded a bit nervous i was but i hope you managed to learn more about what her character was like what she really was like and maybe understand why she's one of my favorite people i could go on and on about her for this whole series and i can go on for hours there are so many dimensions and dynamics to her and i hope after this you can get rid of the myths of hollywood and shakespeare and think about the real woman who she was you know the woman behind the legend and the myth who was more fantastic and mythical in a way and she went through so much but she still remained strong and she overcame anything and she was vulnerable to certain people and she was loved and adored by her land and people willing to die with her which i don't think is something that most people in history most rulers genuinely get and it's nothing that augustus got he would never have what she had he wasn't adored by people through what he actually did he's praised for stories that he made up about himself and she's i suppose hated and judged for stories that were made up for her yeah i hope you enjoy this episode and i hope to see you again next week or soon as.